Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Hello, this is Denise Kagan. I am here today with Deanna Bumgardner. Deanna Bumgardner is with Employers Advantage, LLC. Uh, this company is, she started in 2010 to provide small businesses with a viable option for human resource support that fit the specific needs for small businesses and nonprofits. Deanna has certifications in this field including Certified Professional in Human Resources, the PHR, and Society for Human Resource Management Certified Professional, which is the SHRMCP. She currently serves on the Human Resources Advisory Committee for the Mecklenburg County Board of Co County Commissioners and the Parks and Recreation Commission for the Town of Huntersville. And she's currently a board member for Project Outport in Charlotte as well. Hi, Deanna, how are you today? Hi, Denise. I'm doing well. How are you? I am fantastic. So I invited you on the show today so we could talk about the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. That in and of itself is kind of a mouth, mouthful. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what, what this act is? Yes. Yeah, it, it, it is a mouthful. And um, you know, it's not necessarily descriptive of the details of the act, but we're, <laughs> with the title, but um, it is a law that was passed. It includes a variety of other acts within it, including the uh, Emergency Family Medical Leave Act, the Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act. Um, it does provide small business tax credits for payout against those, um, the Emergency Family Medical Leave Act, Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act, but it also includes an emergency unemployment insurance stabilization, stabilization and access act. So even more of a mouthful. Yeah, I think my eyes just glossed over as you read all, yeah. through all of those. That's a lot of acts. Um, is this federal or state? So this is a federal law. Um, now there are some states that have en enacted their own uh, as well. I, I believe New Jersey is one of those, um, but this is a federal law applicable to all employers that have 500 or less employees, um, which is a little bit different. Most companies with 50 or less employees typically don't fall under something like this. So this is really unique to see that there is a federal law um, that is applicable to all companies that have less than 500 employees. And so this act, as you know, I read through it and well, I think I understand most of it. There are several and or statements in there that make it a little bit confusing. Can you provide some clarity around those statements? Yeah, so I mean, the complexities of this, I mean, it is confusing. It, it's difficult to understand. And, and the reality is, even though the law is passed, there are still a lot of unknowns. So um, literally every day, there could be new guidance issued uh, by the Department of Labor around this act. So that's something that we're keeping an eye on every single day. But, you know, so for example, under the Emergency Family Medical Leave Act, there really is only one qualifier that would make somebody eligible for this. And that is 
if they are unable to work due to the care of their son or daughter under the age of 18, if the child's school or place of care has been closed or the child care provider is unavailable due to coronavirus. Um, but <laughs> the employee has to have been working at that company for 30 days as of the date of the leave. So with the Emergency Family Medical Leave Act, um, they had to have been there at least 30 days. And then once they meet that qualifier of needing to care for their child, they're eligible for up to 12 weeks of job protected uh, leave under that. Um, the more confusing one is the Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act because there are one of six things that a person could go out for, but depending on what they go out for, depends on how much the employer is required to pay them. So for example, under the Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act, if the employee themselves is subject to um, a federal, state, or local quarantine or isolation order, uh, they've been advised by a healthcare provider to self-quarantine, or they're experiencing COVID-19 symptoms and seeking medical diagnosis, the employer is then obligated to pay at the employee's full rate of pay up to 80 hours of paid sick leave. If the paid sick leave, um, or if the person is out due to the care of an individual who is subject to a quarantine or isolation order to care for their child whose school was closed, which is where the FMLA piece comes in. Um, and then there's another qualifier that you know, we don't necessarily quite understand the full details of it, but um, it's experiencing substantially similar conditions specified by the federal government. Um, so if somebody's out for one of those three things, then the amount of the paid sick leave time is reduced to two thirds of the employee's regular rate of pay. Um, and now there are daily caps, <clears throat> excuse me, on both of those um, so that, you know, the employer is not having to pay out more than the daily cap. Um, but it is, it's a lot of if this, then that. So it's, it's important to pay attention to the details. Absolutely. So I know typically businesses that are smaller than 50, and in my case, you know, my business is less than 15 employees. So I typically fall under the guideline of not having to provide FMLA. Does this mean that now my company would be subject to both of those items as well? Yes. Yeah, so it's any company that has less than 50 employees, I'm sorry, 500 employees. So yeah, typically those that have not been subject to something like this are now subject to it. Um, now there are some exemptions for companies with less than 50 employees. However, we don't know what those guidelines are. Um, we do know that 50 companies with fewer than 50 employees are eligible for an exemption from these leave requirements if the requirements would jeopardize the ability of their business to continue. And again, we're, we're waiting for the Department of Labor to release really exactly what that means. Um, they did recently release guidelines saying that if you feel that this will be, you know, essentially detrimental to, to the financial well-being and ongoing um, nature of your business to start documenting why. Um, and then as they continue to release guidance around that, you can be prepared for that filing ex exemption when the details come out. Okay, so for the small business owners with 50 or less employees, if they want to claim an exemption, they really need to be paying attention to the Department of Labor website. 
Yeah, the department. Exactly. Yeah, the Department of Labor is the one that's issuing a lot of this guidance. Um, they're, you know, they have a a news release section on their website, and that's really the thing to keep on top of. Uh, you know, you can sign up for alerts or you know follow them on on any Twitter or social media. But um, the Department of Labor is the one issuing guidance on all of this um, because these are. Um, essentially wage and hour Fair Labor Standards Act um, guidelines, and that's all governed under the Department of Labor. So there are, there are penalties for noncompliance with this that are compatible with wage and hour um, violations, which, you know, those can be costly. Okay. And are employers required to notify their employees of this change, or is this just something that, you know, as it's requested, we, we comply with the order? No, there is a notification requirement, um, and that posting was released last um, on March 25th, actually. So there is a poster, just like all your other posters that you should have up in your break room or an easily accessible place for all employees. Um, of course, given the fact that a lot of people aren't necessarily working in physical locations right now, um, you are required to either email it, US mail it or put it on a shared drive where it is accessible by everybody, um, where every, all employees have access to it. But yes, there is a notification. It's required to go out to all employees. And this act is effective uh, April 1st. Okay. I know with my company, we, I've been virtual since inception, essentially. Uh, so for the last nine years. And so my break room wall, so to speak, is a folder on our share drive where yes. we keep all of the, the labor posters. So um, I'll make sure to put that in there. Um, yes. So my question, um, what employees are eligible? I think you mentioned they had to be there for 30 days. Is that correct? Is that the yeah, only requirement? Yeah. So um, all employees, whether full-time or part-time, are eligible. However, under the emergency FMLA, you have to have been there at least 30 days. Under paid sick leave, it's any employee regardless of length of employment. Okay. And so if your company does not offer sick benefits, currently sick pay benefits, you still have to comply with this. That's correct? Yeah. Because this, yeah. And even if you do provide sick pay, PTO, paid leave, this is on top of any company policies. So what's important to note is that you can't require an employee to use any accrued or available PTO that they might have through a company policy prior to using this. Uh, okay. And so for companies who don't have PTO, how would they calculate it? I mean, with my company, almost all my people are part-time. Yeah, so for part-time employees, um, you would calculate their pay, what they're entitled to, based on an average number of hours worked in the six-month period prior to the leave. Um, if they've not been there six months, then you would take what you would add, what you know, what a normal two-week schedule would be for them, um, and use that as your um, calculation. You would need to then, of course, set up um, in your payroll system uh, a paid sick leave code to track this and to to show that it's um, outside of regular wages. And so when you pay anything out under emergency FMLA or the emergency paid sick leave, um, you're tracking that separately than anything else. 
Okay. And, and you mentioned, you, you know, the way you set up your pay, that brings me to another point. Fortunately, I use a payroll company because this sounds extraordinarily confusing on how to, to track all of this. And my understanding also is that there is some type of reimbursement um, and, you know, it should, should we need to uh, get reimbursement? How does that work? And hopefully my payroll company will handle that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely reach out to your payroll providers, your accountant, your CPA on this. Um, but essentially what they're looking at is if you've paid out anything up to those caps um, for the emergency paid sick leave or the emergency FMLA, you can take immediate advantage of those paid leave credits by retaining the funds that you would normally otherwise pay to the IRS in your quarterly 941s. Um, if for whatever reason the amount you're paying in taxes in your quarterly 941 doesn't cover the amount of paid leave that you paid out, you then um, apply for reimbursement through the IRS and it is a dollar for dollar credit. So, but definitely check with your payroll provider to make sure that gets set up and your and or your accountant. Okay. Is there anything else that you would like to add that maybe I hadn't thought of asking? Well, I mean, we could go on <laughs> for quite a while about this because there's a lot to it. Um, I would say that the other part of it that um, is worth mentioning is the Unemployment Stabilization and Access Act that's included in this and that does give employees access to unemployment um, if they're eligible, um, if they have a reduction in hours or a loss of job because of this pandemic and the economic impact on the company. Um, and so if they do pull from the benefits or the unemployment benefits for this, you as an employer will not be charged for those and it won't, it won't affect your experience rating. So that is another portion of it. Okay, so for, for small employers who may you know, request an exemption, if they do have to lay people off, then those people do have some type of way to get some type of benefits and income. Yeah, I mean, I would certainly encourage, if they're doing layoffs, encourage the employees to go in and, and, and apply for unemployment insurance. Um, there are no guarantees that it will be paid because that is dependent upon the employee's earnings and over their base period. Um, as an example, we have a client that has an employee that was working there for six months, but she didn't have a job prior. And so when she got laid off and applied for unemployment, she wasn't eligible because she didn't have enough earnings in her base period um, to cover a benefit for her. So gotcha. we, can't, we can't guarantee unemployment, um, but there is eligibility um, that, uh, eligibility available now that there typically isn't. Okay, all right. Well, thank you, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. You've been talking with Denise Kagan from DCA Virtual Business Support and Deanna Bumgarner with Employers Advantage LLC. Deanna, can you tell them how we can, if anybody has more questions, how they can find you and reach out to you? Yeah, so you can uh, find us at our website, employersadvantagellc.com. Um, we're also on Facebook, and LinkedIn, employersadvantagellc.com, Twitter, at employersadvhr, and also on Instagram, at employersadvantagehr. You can email me directly, uh, Deanna, at employersadvantagellc.com. 
Perfect. And you can find me at dcavirtual.com or email me directly at denise at dcavirtual.com. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, Creating a Thriving Space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.